Are you a member of the DSO Connect community? Join us. We are a free group on Facebook for dance studio owners to connect, share ideas, inspire one another, and provide support. We help troubleshoot each other's problems and celebrate each other's successes. We have two Zoom calls every month, Coffee Chat Fridays and Wind Down Wednesdays, where we get to hang out together with fellow DSOs who really truly get it. And y'all, I can honestly say that this community is the reason why my studio has survived COVID. Without the amazing support and inspired ideas of the incredible members of this group, I'm not sure I would have made it. So if you're looking for support, connection, and judgment-free advice, join us today. Just search for DSO Connect Community on Facebook and answer the questions to join. We can't wait to meet you. Hello and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey. I'm Robin. How's it going, Robin? It's so good to see you. I'm going. I'm doing good. The weather is nice, so you know what's there to complain about. It's hard to be in a mood when the sun is shining and the trees are green and the flowers are blooming. And I like that. That's yeah. that's kind of my happy place. Absolutely. I am glad to be back here with you. I took a little break from the podcast. A little little mental health respite, but now I'm feeling better and glad to be back in the saddle. So Robin, who do we have with us today? Um, We have Shiloh Martinez today, and she is the assistant professor of dance at Shenandoah University. And we are excited to, we're meeting her for the first time with our listeners right now. So um, we're excited to talk about, to kind of continue the conversation that we had with Jeffrey Gunshaw a few weeks ago, where we were talking, um, we're, we're trying to f- find out how we as studio owners can do a better job of preparing our dancers for college dance programs, not just the audition, but for the program in general. So hopefully Shiloh will have some interesting insight to help us all do our jobs better. So welcome Shiloh. Thank you so much for being here with us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's nice to meet you guys as well. Um, So yes, I'm Shiloh Martinez. I am an assistant professor of dance at Shenandoah University. I am also the coordinator of musical theater dance. And I am also the coordinator of a program called Shinko Skills, which is a program focused for conservatory students to inform you on how to do all things within your art while being a great and healthy being at the same time. So thanks for having me. You know, I have a couple students in your program. I wonder if you know them. Tell me. Yes. Um, Bella Sheckles and Brittany Kopp. Yes, they're wonderful. I had them actually last semester for jazz class and they are fantastic. Oh, good. I'm glad that they are representing me well. (laughs) They're good girls. But um, I guess it, as a studio owner, I mean, I love to hear, you know, that our, that my students are, are doing well in college programs, but also that they, you know, have a good work ethic and that they've got a good foundation, not just technically in, as dancers, but as like, responsible people. Um, so do you want to start by kind of letting us know what what? What issues do you find with incoming freshmen who are obviously, I mean, there's got to be 
growing pains. These young people are leaving their parents' homes for the first time, um, living on their own, so to speak, in the dorm. And, and, you know, they have to keep track of their own calendars and mom isn't there to nag them about things. What, what kinds of issues do you see freshman year with, um, with, with incoming students? Yeah, I love that you bring this up. You know, the the technique aspect of it, I almost look at it as in putting on your clothes today. You know, it's required. You must get dressed today. So when you come into the program, you know, we expect that that skill is there and the technique is strong. But most importantly, we want you to be a nice person, a kind person, and someone who kind of has their head on straight. So the business side of life, adulting, that kind of aspect is so important because those are life skills that, you know, will lead you to success in anything that you do, even if it's through dance or, or through academia and other forms. You know, I think exactly what you just said are some of the issues we see are, are students being able to stay organized through a completely new format. Um, and, you know, we do a lot of things through Google. And sometimes I am very OCD and I help our students as much as possible by putting in things in the calendar, making sure they're staying on top of what they're doing. But it's also giving them those life skills to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in academia, it's not just about the dance class. It's not just about coming into the studio and, and working your butt off and, and leaving your work on the dance floor. But it's also about, you know, the coursework, being able to get your assignments in on time, being able to dissect the material intellectually, not physically. Those are the things that are that are quite important. And something else that you tapped in a little bit too, I think something that the studio owners could do to help prepare students for for the phase of, of college is you know talking about physical and mental um, health i think that is very important uh the idea of nutrition for dancers for artists you know talking about what to eat when you go to the cafeteria i've taken many a trips with our freshmen to show them you know, where to grab food that is sustainable for the schedule that they will have. Those are things that sometimes they're not quite prepared because mom's not making the meal or, or dad's not picked up the food, you know, and, and those sorts of, of um, ideas, as well as the mental side of it. We want you physically healthy and strong and be able to, you know, kick your face and lay out and look beautiful. But we also want to make sure that you are mentally healthy and mm -hmm. supported. We do have a conservatory counselor at Shenandoah, which is a wonderful um, asset to have. Any of our conservatory students can make an appointment with our counselor to kind of have check-ins and, and make sure that they're doing well. We are also a smaller program, so a student can knock on my door and say, hey, Shiloh, this is something that's going on with me. You know, they do knock on my door and they're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to eat. Do you have a power bar? Yes, I've got something <laughs> for you. <laughs> Um, but I think understanding mental and, and physical practice is very important in this art form. Yeah, that's that's really important. I didn't think of that. I'm going to add that to our um, we, we're doing a leadership camp this summer, which is the first time we're doing something like 
this and it's for the kids who are in our student teaching program which is most of them and um, we're talking to them about um, you know commu communication make sure that you respond to emails in a timely manner and if there's six questions asked to you in an email answer all six of them <laughs> don't just answer one and then have me hunt you down for the next five um, but you know I think that the mental and the 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 mental health and the the physical well-being and like just taking self-care that that's an, a really important thing that we can add to that agenda as well yeah i think that you tapped into the professionalism aspect um you know that is key that creates your reputation in this business very early on and it stays with you and you know it, dance and art communities are small so your mm -hmm. reputation is is essential to build immediately mm -hmm. you know it's as simple as a professional email not hey by the way you know mm -hmm. it, it's it's having that sense of professionalism right from the jump is important that's great you know i'm probably breaking some rules right now as a mom of a uh, student going into college my son was supposed to go to berkeley in boston and we're, ta we're taking a change of course and he's gonna go to nashville instead and because i want it done i want it done i want it done i'm like emailing <laughs> the admissions people on behalf of my son and every time i do it i'm like he should be doing this he should be doing this but we're late because it's a, it was a last minute change of plans and um i guess that's an important thing too jeffrey used to um say that to me all the time he's like i don't even talk to parents i don't even talk to parents so that's that's important maybe for studio owners when the kids start to be juniors and seniors maybe you know i don't want to hear your mom calling me and telling me that you're going to miss rehearsal you call me or email me if you have an issue you're in my office i don't need i mean certainly your mom can come along but i think that she should that the students should be maybe starting to learn that junior and senior year huh i i i think of it as advocating for yourself we need to teach that immediately um you know and, and sometimes freshmen freshman students need to kind of get into that aspect of it you know they, they need to find their voice and understand how it will be received but knowing how to advocate is huge um this semester we i taught a class in multiple studios at one time and I had a, you know, a nice clean schedule, you know, you, we all try to stay organized, but surely things come up and, and a space might become available in the studio that I'm live in. And students would say, well, I didn't ever get the opportunity to do an extra class. And I say, well, did you advocate? Because there mm -hmm. were students banging on my door saying, get me in that studio. And I say, of course. You know, and that translates into auditions, that translates into marketability, just being able to find your voice and speak up. So I love that idea as juniors and seniors, you know, although mom is there to support. Yeah. But I love what you just said. Did you advocate? Because I just had a meeting with a senior recent or a junior um, recently, and she was you know kind of complaining a little bit that she didn't get the same opportunity that maybe another girl did and i wish i would have said that did you did you advocate did you ask for it because literally if i need someone to start warm up because a teacher is in a, is stuck in traffic 
and this girl is standing next to me and she's like I'll do it don't get sad because you were in the other room and I didn't think of you first when she was like I'll do it <laughs> like so students like to say often you know we find our favorites and for me that is a little bit like nails on a chalkboard because I take everyone at face value in my classroom and you know, we all get what we earn. So if somebody is advocating and someone is saying, I'm ready, mm -hmm. I always at the end of my class, I like to say, who would like to do the combination by themselves? And usually people look at me with big eyeballs like, oh, gosh, I'm not ready. You just taught the combo. And then someone will say, OK, I'll go. And I say, guys, that's the person that's going to get the job because they're putting themselves out there. Are you gonna fall? Yes, maybe. Are you gonna make a mistake? Probably. But the biggest mistake will be you not putting yourself out there. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I I'm sure we can all say how many jobs we've received by just saying, I'm ready, let's do it. That's terrific. I love that. Absolutely. I love that so much. Um Casey, did you were you about to say something? Oh, I was just gonna say about like having students once they get to, you know, junior, senior year having them be the, the primary point of contact for, for the studio. I have one student who her mom has explicitly said, don't contact me, contact her. And I love that. And so I've got the student's cell phone on, on file. I've got her email address. And when she has a question or when she's not going to be in class or whatever it is, she calls and she lets us know. And that is just like, so refreshing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at first it kind of put me on edge a little bit. I was like, oh no, is mom going to get all the information? But they clearly have a system worked out and it's working for them. And it's just, it's so nice to see. Another thing you can do, what we, what we do in those situations, because these kids are minors and I don't like um, contacting minors without their parents in on it. So I will copy the parent and I'm, but it's addressed, it's not to dear Susie and mom, it's dear Susie. And um, that way, if I have to follow up and say, dear Susie, I emailed you four days ago and still haven't heard the response, then mom knows. And maybe mom can nudge at the dinner table a little bit, but I don't really want mom to intervene via email, but I do want her to be aware, like, hey, I've reached out to her several times. She hasn't responded. She can kind of see it unfold. Something that might be important for for parents to hear as well is, you know, in academia, you know, this student miraculously becomes 18 and is now an adult. And for, for somehow this light switch has changed and they're they're now responsible for all of these things that we do to FERPA. We are not allowed to communicate a lot of information if the student has chosen to say, you know, mom can't be in on, on, you know, my academics. So a student might not be doing well in a course. I've got to follow up with that student. So we're talking, they graduate from your school in, you know, spring and now by fall, okay, now they, they've got to have it all together. I, I don't think those are the times that we have a little bit of gray area that I think we could all support. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's great. Um, what about technical stuff on the dance side? What kind of things do you see um, at, I assume you're at the auditions or involved in the auditions in some way. Um, what types of things are you seeing from dancers that are coming from studio environments? And I'm sure it's, it varies depending 
on the studio and the student because no two studios are the same. But generally speaking, what would what you sometimes wish that you would see more of or less of? Sure. So, yes, I am in the audition room for both the dance department and the musical theater department. Both processes are different. Um, the dance department does a ballet, modern jazz component with a creative assignment where they're improving as well as a presentation of their solo. The musical theater side, they quickly learn a combination from me and they have to regurgitate right away and show the work. So some of the things that I see in a technique class audition is students are focusing purely on the technique and not the artistry. Mm. From that very first demi-plié in the ballet class that I usually am the one giving, I look for the artistry. I look for the upper body. I look to see who they are as an artist because, you know, as we all know, we can help teach your technique that, you know, that we know how to do, that we know how to articulate how to point your foot in and all those intricate mechanics behind it. But what is difficult is for, for me to basically pull your voice out of you, mm-hmm. you know? So I think offering the ability for students to dance through the technique, dance, you know, find your voice, find your artistry. That has been one of the hardest things seeing freshman year of saying, I realize you've probably done ballet, demi, tendu, all those things for many, many years. But now I want you to completely dance through it. I want you to, you know, use your upper body use because what happens at the bar happens in center. What happens in center happens on stage. You don't all of a sudden like click a switch to say, oh, this is my dance number. Okay. Now let me finally, you know, find my voice and my artistry, but it's giving them that opportunity to do it immediately. And a lot of students will be like, oh, I'm falling off my leg. I can't find my leg. And I said, well, then that should show you that the two have not been going hand in hand. And we want to start developing that within a class. Wow, that's great. That's yeah. a, a great answer. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay. And I think I think the the hesitancy to perform or to access that artistry comes from a fear of vulnerability because dancing full out or dancing with artistry or like you said um pulling the your voice out of you is such a vulnerable experience. And it's so much easier to just fall back on the technique that you know is correct mm-hmm. versus, you know, making a ch- making an artistic choice that might not be well received or might, you know, be not what the choreographer intended um, or might just be showing a little bit too much of who you are inside. And that's mm-hmm. scary. That's, yeah. that's really scary. And I think that we need to talk about you know, talking about like what we can do as studio owners and what we can do as dance educators, you know, in pre-college, I think talking about the vulnerability of artistry is really important. I agree. I think if we only focus on the mechanics of it, um, I don't mean to offend anyone, but 
I get bored, both dancing it and observing it, I feel that it becomes very flat. And then I think, well, surely a robot will do that in a couple years, right? <laughs> so what is it that, that makes it live to me? And, and then that develops the question of as to why we do what we do. So typically in my freshman class, I do ask, you know, why are you here? Why are you doing this? You know, hopefully at some point there's this talk of not just because my mom wanted me to do something else besides, you know, hopefully there is this understanding as to why you dance. For me, I dance because I have something to say and I have to get it out, you know, and I, and I, and I want to take you on that journey with me. There are times that I just dance because I'm happy and I want to entertain. And sometimes there are times I dance and create and choreograph because I need to work through something emotionally, right? So all of these ideas, you know, in a jazz class, okay, we have, you know, the six step prep into our pirouette. Okay, you've done it. 500 million times. But now why are you doing it? Why are you doing it now? Every day has to have a new intent, a new purpose, you know, thinking in the moment now, but also thinking for the future. I think that will help students from becoming burned out as well. Hmm. You know, quickly we get burned out. But I think if you know your purpose, it helps you stay connected with it a little bit. And I think teaching these lessons too will also help teachers to um, prevent burnout as well because we get yeah. so bogged down in teaching the technique and and giving the same corrections over and over again and and seeing maybe very small progress that is a little bit you know less than what you are expecting um, that we all get frustrated with at times but I think teaching you know the why and the artistry and the vulnerability will help the teachers to not be burnt out because you'll see that progression on top of the technical progression as well hmm. yes that's that's right I think we're all in it together you know <laughs> so one of the things I was thinking when you were talking about um not being so technical in an audition, I think as students, high school students, um, sometimes um, when kids are taking a test, it's very much, is this the right answer or the wrong answer? And when they're auditioning, they probably think of it as, a, this is a test. Like, I'm being tested. Am I going to be good enough? And going to the technique kind of makes sense. I mean, not that that's what we want to encourage them to do, but they're thinking, let me not get anything wrong. Right. I think... The wrong answer is not going for it, <laughs> right? The wrong answer is not putting yourself out there. You know, they think, okay, if I nail this triple pirouette, I'm in, right? I'm in. No, 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 no. Because I can help teach you how to do that. I really can, you know? And, and that's the amazing thing about what we do is it's live, so it's not always going to be the same. But if I can't figure out kind of who you are in the process, you know, that that should feel like the, the wrong answer. And I know that that might be shifting a lot of ideas because, yeah. you know, we do train the A and B and C. And I'm not negating that, you know, you've got mm -hmm. to have that because, you know, for me, the aesthetic is very important. But 
you know, I teach contemporary point and I do a majority of my choreography in contemporary point. And we are literally doing like fuete forward roll, slide on point, like monkey business on point. So I get a ballerina coming in and she's like, I've done, you know, 15 years of point. I'm like, great. Do you know how to do a forward roll? No. Yeah. No. You know, and it's like, okay, but I want like more, more juice. I want more, you know, I, even though your 32 fuetes on point are fabulous, but where's the rest of the dirt? You know, That's great. So that leads me to my next question, which is um, I know in some studios, um, students choose kind of an a la carte offering. And in some studios, there's more of a, um, like an eclectic mix or a, a curriculum that includes a lot of different dance styles. Um, would you say that it's, valuable in today's dance world specifically the college dance world that the that the student have a have a um nicely stocked toolkit and i'm leading you because i think i know the answer (laughs) (laughs) so so how do we know what we want to do unless we try all the things right how do you know how do you know that you only want to be in the court of ballet if you've never tested anything else right Mm -hmm. Um, I also think the marketability in the business, you know, essentially we're, we're preparing you in college for that profession and to be marketable. My gosh, you must do it all. You Mm -hmm. literally must do it all. So I think having as much information as possible is essential and Mm non-negotiable. Now I will say that, the core for me is that technique class. You mm-hmm. need that technique class. You need to know how to find your core and your, you know, your length and, and lines and all those sorts of things. And then you need to branch out and find all the other genres to play with that sensibility and the artistry. You know, how can you play with rhythm if you've never really you know, dove into that hip hop class? How can you find styles in jazz if you've you know, never experienced the rhythms? How, you know, can you even dance in character shoes? I don't know, Mm. right? Have you put them on? I don't know. Um, And it can be scary. I I realized that because you you want to do what you do well and continue to do that, which kind of brings me to the idea of how can we help studios prepare students? If you are known as a studio for your ballet core, your modern core, you know, and you may not require your company dancers to take a jazz class or a tap class, or have even seen hip hop in your school, I would tell you to bring in masterclass teachers that look nothing like you. Mm. Don't bring in someone that does the thing that you do well, because you've got that and and Mm -hmm. the teachers are already supporting that. But now bring in, you know, different information and see how the students respond to that. I love that. I love that. I'm think I'm just imagining like even just like a salsa class or something that gives them like a little Latin because say, say they are working with a choreographer who's going to put a little Latin flair on their contemporary point piece. Then at least they know that little, you know, hip movement or whatever it is. Um, Yes. Just expose them to as many different things as possible and to let them be uncomfortable and let, and let them, because I remember when I was at the school for the arts, 
I was more, it was primarily a ballet and a modern class and our program. And right for special days, like right before Thanksgiving break or right before, you know, if it was a special day, they'd bring in the African drummers and yeah. the African and um, Stephanie Powell would teach an African class and everybody, well, let's say half of us thought it was great and half of us thought it was uncomfortable. Yeah. And it was the ballerinas who were very uncomfortable moving that way. And she would tell us to take out our hair and we were like, <gasps> like what? You want us to take down our hair? You took the words from my mouth. I always like if I feel that you've got that, you know, very stiff spine, I'm like, take your hair out. Take off your tights. My gosh. Like imagine doing a class without tights or or you know, I always tell my students, be ugly. Be mm -hmm. ugly, be wrong. You know, that's where you find the interesting stuff. You know, it you can't be perfect all the time. Let that go. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's good. Master classes outside the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I will say it, you know, I think you guys mentioned that as well about it being scary, but I always tell my students, you know, this is a room of support. And mm -hmm. if you're not supporting each other, please, I'll show you the door not to be rude, but because we are here to pick everyone up. You do not get anywhere in life by mm -hmm. stepping on someone else. So yeah. we're all going to be vulnerable together. We're all going to be ugly together. And we're going to create amazing work in the process. And just to, you know, put a period at the end of that sentence. Um, I think that as studio owners, if you're thinking, oh, well, if I, I'm just using salsa as an example. Like if, if I brought that in, I probably wouldn't get many people to sign up. I would suggest making it a requirement for your dance company kids. Like everyone's got to do it. So the girl, and you never, I like to, I think that's interesting because you have certain kids who excel in ballet. You have certain kids that really, you know, shine in tap class, but let it be different kids at different, you know, and it also teaches them that you don't have to be great at everything. You can have strengths and then you can be, like you said, more vulnerable in some areas and you can still be learning, but don't shy away from those areas where you don't feel like you've, you know, got a good grip on it because then you stop growing. That's right. That's right. And ultimately we're here to support everyone to find their voice. So unless we offer it, we're not supporting that. All right, that's a great place to take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back with Shiloh Martinez. The DSO Connect 2021 retreat is right around the corner, and registration is now open. We are heading to Cape Coral, Florida, July 23rd through 25th, and we also have a virtual-only option. Spend a weekend with other like-minded, creative, goal-oriented studio owners. The weekend includes two days chocked full of amazing seminars by the DSO Connect team, including yours truly, and one day of implementation sessions where we sit down together and get stuff done. So by the time you leave, you've already got things checked off your list. You'll leave feeling rejuvenated and have an actionable plan to build your studio into a thriving business so you can live your best life. This is an intimate weekend where we all stay in the same fabulous waterfront estate together, so space is extremely limited. Included in your stay is 
all the amazing content, the implementation day, swag bag, seminar workbook, food and drink for the weekend, including adult beverages, your lodging at the estate, and the priceless connections that you'll make with all the other studio owners. Plus, you'll get a one-on-one follow-up coaching call with one of the DSO Connect team after the retreat to help you stay on track. For more information and to reserve your spot, head on over to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat 2021 tab. Don't wait too long because space is seriously limited and these spots will go fast. So again, dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat 2021 tab. We can't wait to spend the weekend with you. Welcome back to the DSO Connect podcast. We are here with Shiloh Martinez of Shenandoah University's Dance Department. Um, So let's talk a little bit about talking about dance. We've talked about technique and and artistry. So let's talk about like the more academia side of things and how students are or aren't prepared when they reach your program um, to have these discussions, to, you know, work on composition, to work on theory, to work on critique. Um, how how do you find that students are prepared or not prepared for those conversations? Yeah, I think as a studio dancer myself growing up, we had very little opportunity to talk about the work, right? We, we did exactly what we were told to do and did it well, you know. When I think about talking about dance and art, three aspects kind of come to mind. One is being able to discuss someone else's work that you've observed, right? This idea of watching a dance saying, that was an amazing Batma, right? That's, <laughs> okay, great. I'm glad that you were able to pick that up. But what is it that you see in the work while you're talking about someone else's stuff? You know, we typically put on our own values when we observe work and things that we see from our own lens and what that means. And I think offering the opportunity, and again, it might be vulnerable to find the voice to discuss what you see, how it made you feel. I often say to, to dancers who might be a little bit uncomfortable talking about the work is, what did you see? start there. What Mm. did you see? And then dive deeper as to, you know, what worked when they turned around? Did that work? Did that pull you out? You know, was everything one dimensional? Was everything in unison? Was everything frontal? You know, just talking in those basic forms, starting there. I think for musical theater dance, I think doing the research is essential Mm. in the material. You've got to, to offer space to understand where it's coming from, what the show is about, what was happening culturally, what, you know, offering that sense of research is sometimes we don't afford that opportunity. So I teach a musical theater styles class to senior MT dancers. And before I even teach the combination, we did something from In the Heights. I offered a ton of slides with just the research of it, video excerpts. And then I asked them to let me know what is, what is it that they found from the material. And it could be as simple as understanding what to wear to the audition, right? Mm. 
because they come to us and say, well, what should I wear? Well, what do you think that you should wear, right? Be, again, proactive in understanding what it is that that you need to bring to the table. And then we'll help um, morph that idea within the research. It also helps you understand the movement quality, having done the research. And then last is being able to talk about your own work. Um, I think it's essential for students to obviously take an improv class, right? Knowing how to uh, understand their own body's movement and then a composition class where they start to put the work into fruition of, of adding themes and variations and kind of playing on that. But then after they present that composition, being able to talk about it so it would be the idea of creating an excerpt in a program that this piece is is touching on social justice. This piece touches on my my youth. This you know in dissecting why you created the piece. And sometimes we don't know until we've created it where it came from. Sometimes we use it as an entry point of where we started. But having a dancer be able to speak this was my thought process and it could be strictly movement generation. I wanted to see how many times I could bend my elbow. I don't know. Um, or I wanted to stay on the floor the entire time. I wanted to play with as many facings as possible. I, uh, you know, all those or, or theme and, and rhythms, but being able to articulate that I think is important. And, Offering a talk back then for someone to ask questions as to, you know, why did you add this grand jeté right in the middle of a slow section? What was your thought, you know, and then be able to understand maybe that didn't come across the way I wanted it to or to understand, you know, defending almost, you know, that this is my purpose and, mm -hmm. and, and, and honoring that as well. So for me, talking about music or uh, sorry, talking about dance in those three aspects are are sometimes not offered until academia you know i i find that with with young students that they've watched a piece on stage and walked away saying well that was nice yeah yeah or it was good yeah good yeah <laughs> yeah and i think that because we're dealing with the kids before you get them one of the things that i think we can start at a younger age like probably high school age um is teaching them that talking about another person's work doesn't necessarily mean that you are criticizing them. Um, and there, there are ways to express what you saw, as you said, without saying, like picking it apart or being critical. Because in the ninth graders mind, a lot, uh, I think that they're in many cases, um, very sensitive to, ha you know, how other people perceive them and how how they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings they don't want to have any kind so i think it's important that we teach them how to talk about dance and and separate um discussing the piece with criticizing a person because those are two completely separate things that they might not understand as being separate so I was just looking over my shoulder at my bookcase to see there's a book about critical response method. And I will be teaching for an MFA program this summer that works on choreography and creation in the studio. And we 
use the critical response method in order to articulate reflections on people's work, that takes away the opinion of, well, I liked when you did this. That is almost like a moment to say, nope, 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 rephrase. I saw that you did X, Y, and Z. Mm. Can you articulate that? So it becomes a safer space to talk about people's work that does not become opinion because in art, that, that's, that like you said, can be um, a touchy subject. Wow, that was good. That was very good. I'm going to make um, my dance director listen to this podcast <laughs> so that she can implement all of these things. Yes, I love it. Um, I would think that also going along with what you just said, your three points, um, that we should be giving our students ample opportunities to create composition, whether it be just in class or for presentation in front of an audience, whether it be a work in progress or bringing something to full fruition, but just getting them used to the idea of, you know, composing movement. And that could even start in middle school and elementary school when we do like our little sleepover parties or whatever. We could do, you know, okay, we're going to break off into groups and you're going to, you know, each create, make a dance. And, you know, of course it's very juvenile at that stage, but it gives them um, those basic bones of, okay, we've got, I'm going to make up eight counts and then you're going to make up eight counts and then we're going to, this is the pattern and you know what I mean? So just from a very rudimentary point we need to start giving them those opportunities i even have like guided improvisation in my preschool classes where in my preschool classes we learn about you know the concepts of dance like size direction pathway level um and then you know i'll put on a piece of music for freeze dance and i say okay i need you to move sideways on a low level in a zigzag pathway let's see it and even my four-year-olds understand it and even if you know they're not like totally zigzag the whole time like they're at least understanding and thinking about these concepts they're thinking about different ways to move so it can start super young i think that helps them find their voice within mm -hmm. movement and starting with that kind of improv idea and then morphing morphing it into composition and like you said the developmental stages along the way i think could help be supported i think about my my i have a young daughter who um i did not push into dance by any means and i thought I would rather you do something I know nothing about, um, but she has been involved in seeing my shows and my concerts, and now she wants to dance as much as possible. And I see her creating her own work at a young age and, and wanting to perform it for us and show us. And, and, and then I think, well, where is that time that we become so self-conscious that we don't do it anymore? Mm. So if we are offering it consistently and supporting it consistently, hopefully there's not that disconnect where we just become so overwhelmed and not wanting to get up to express the work. Yeah. We, our senior dance concert, our performers are responsible for producing their fully producing their own work between marketing and, and financing and everything wow. that I think supporting where do you go from creating a quick phrase to putting it onto your dancers to producing it and and I think offering that at different stages would be very helpful yeah that's great so um, how much does your program um, 
ask that how many how much opportunity does your program provide for dancers to kind of do behind the scenes work as well is that an important thing that we should be you know i would say in my recitals for example the dancers are primarily dancers they don't mess with lighting design they don't mess with any of that stuff because they're there to dance unless they're injured and then we give them the opportunity to still be involved and we might have them helping out in another capacity in your dance program um do you need do you require dancers to kind of fill other other roles at some point in their four years with you yes so i think about you know when a dancer might become injured and they sit out and they observe the class nine times out of ten when that student has now observed they say i have a new appreciation for the work so being able to see what happens behind the scenes creates this appreciation for the work mm. during your freshman fall semester as a dance major at the university you are required to do a production only semester meaning you will not perform right away on faculty performances now you'll dance for for other student works and be on stage in other forms but for faculty concert for fall freshmen do a production course where they help the entire production side for the concert from lighting to stage management to all of it we also have a course that is a year long course that teaches them about lighting that teaches them you know how to produce the work and the business side of it as well like i said for your senior concert will come into play so we want them to have all aspects of the work and sometimes students have said you know what i thoroughly enjoyed the behind the scenes now i want to be a choreographer producer maybe dabble a little bit in performance or vice versa but we want to again expose them i would assume that most of the kids that come to your pro that go to college from dance studios have very little experience like on a light board or running sound um because yeah. in, because the dance studio model doesn't really provide for that unless they did it in the high school play or the musical then so that's interesting i i i'm i'm interested in for my program um making better use of a student's time when they're injured so that it's not just like they're sinking into this sadness and this feeling of, you know, I can't do anything. I, I, I this year we had a couple kids who who were injured, um, and we tried to, you know, get them more involved. Like in in the performance, you're going to be front of house and you're going to be greeting people at the door when they're young. They're like ten. What are they, they can't really have a huge responsibility when they're ten. But as they get into high school, um, again, I mean, I just how can we best use their time? when they are injured so that they're not just we're losing them we're losing them so they can certainly be your assistant <laughs> lord knows we could all use an assistant um i i i hear that you know i think it's important because when they do become injured yeah they they tend to wallow a little bit but giving them purpose whether it is as strictly as you know helping behind the scenes for theater but also understanding what it is to be a studio owner what it is to be mm -hmm. an educator have them see what the teacher is doing in preparation for the work you know i think all of those could be lengthened and uh, you know broadened a little bit more 
for the students. I do always have an assistant um, when I choreograph the musical, helping with uploading videos and communication. And, you know, that's where they start to learn the business side of it. And, you know, I, I don't know the exact goals of every student that is in your program, but I would think there is that one somewhere in there that is going to want to be a studio owner and want to be an educator and offering those opportunities, then they really understand what it is to do that. Yeah, that's I great. Think I think it's also so important to present these options and these paths to our students, not as like instead of or less than a performance mm -hmm. career, because there's nothing less than about being a dance teacher versus being a professional performer. There's nothing less yep. than about being a lighting designer or a stage manager. There's still such an important role in the arts industry, in the arts world. And I think we tend to think of like those who can't do teach or those who can't do are backstage when really never like, came up with that that's <laughs> i hate that i hate that saying it is absolutely the worst um but like i when i was in college i absolutely loved all those classes i loved all like the lighting design and the technical theater stuff and i actually got a um an apprenticeship to go to the american dance festival as a stagehand apprentice and i would never have been able to go to adf if it hadn't been for my experiences backstage and stage managing and all of that stuff in college and so i was able to experience this amazing dance festival and be backstage or running light board or running sound for incredible professional companies. So, you know, that like I was an extra on stage for Shen Wei, like because I was a stagehand apprentice and they were like, we need more bodies. Who wants to be in it? And I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. We want to make money. You know, I, I don't, I certainly don't, don't teach for money and I certainly didn't dance for money, but it is certainly nice when it becomes sustainable and you know i have health insurance and i have all these things you know we hear constantly from from students saying well my mom wants me to have a real job when mm -hmm. i graduate and we're like there's so many aspects to this business that can support you you know for me i didn't want to to wait tables while i was in new york city so i did all the other stuff in order to support and at the same time educating me my you know all of us on the craft of what it is yeah that's great that's fantastic yeah and i think just like making our students aware at a younger age that these opportunities exist. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think I really knew what a lighting designer was until I got to college. Like I knew that, you know, there were people backstage with headsets on during the recital, but I didn't really know <laughs> what they were doing or what they were called, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So just making, making our students and our parents aware that all of these opportunities, all of these avenues, all of these pathways through an art art profession exists is just yeah. so important also your your where you think you're going to be when you're a junior or senior in high school is most likely not where you're actually going to end up no kidding <laughs> and that's okay you know that's okay the the road will twist and turn and and it's okay so you know trying yeah, it doesn't mean that you failed if you thought when you were a junior in high school that you were going to be a professional dancer and you end up being a lighting designer or a working 
in an, the admin office of a ballet company or you become a costumer or who cares? I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're following your heart, if you're taking your job seriously, if you are good at your job, um, and like you said, it's sustainable, then how is that a failure? It's just a change of plans. Well, and that's right. And we all need to do different things. Otherwise, we'd all be fighting for the, you know, the same work. <laughs> um, I also, it brought me to the idea of musicians and mm. supporting the students in communicating with musicians. So we're, we don't all, you know, have the ability to have live musicians in our mm. class, but some schools do for, for ballet class and they're able to play, which is fantastic. But there's also that missed opportunity to teach dancers how to communicate with a musician. You know, I think having time to, okay, Sally, can you do the, the, the plie combination and give the tempo to the musician? Get, let them know how many bars it is. Let them know, you know, having that, that dialogue with someone isn't, is essential. We created a piece last year and we were developing the music at the same time while we were creating movement so i would send videos of of the the movement vocabulary and then they would quickly send me a clip of music that they felt kind of went with it and in having that wow. dialogue i mean the same thing happens with lighting designers you know this is the mood i feel this is you know and and i think just having more opportunity to discuss it is nice that is great. Even if they don't have a lighting board, say, what do you see? Like, do you see blues? Like, what? I don't know. Just start to, to have that imagery, I think, can be nice. Yeah, that's great. What a great conversation this has been. I feel like we got, we really kind of pinpointed exactly what I was trying to get at. I, I really appreciate you. This was, this was wonderful. Yeah, this is I great. appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's wrap it up on a high point. So let's share our heart happy moments. So Shiloh, what has made your heart happy in the last week or so? Um, we did Heather's last, uh, this past fall. Oh, and due fine. to COVID, we were um, unable to do it on our main, main stage. So we turned it into a movie, which was an incredible project in itself, to say the least. And it was completely filmed on different locations on campus. Incredibly overwhelming. I did the choreography for the entire show as well as filmed it. We edited it. It was um, a huge project, but this weekend it finally was released for air. And it was so nice to see a large project like that come together. Wow. That's, That's fantastic. So cool. That's awesome. All right, Robin, what was your heart happy moment? Um, well, my, um, my brother and his girlfriend came into town for a week um, for their, their, they live in Florida. And so they came to just kind of hang out and be on their vacation in my house. And I didn't really take it seriously at first. He texted me and I was in the middle of, is it okay if I come on this date? Sure. No problem. Just come the more, the merrier in my house. So it's just been nice to just, ha it's been nothing special, you know, just like, just, he's just there in my house. <laughs> it's like, 
hey, want some breakfast? Sure. Okay, I'm leaving. Bye. And then, you know, just we'll have dinner together. We'll sit on the deck together. And it's just been nice to have my brother around. And um, so that's made my heart happy. That's lovely. Um, let's see. Mine was, so I have a, a very good friend who we were roommates in college. I was a bridesmaid at her wedding. And now her son is taking dance with me. And his fourth birthday party was this past Saturday. And of course I went and he was so jazzed that Miss Casey was there. <laughs> of course, like I've been a part of his life since before he started taking dance with me. But now it's like, I am Miss Casey. I'm not just mom's friend. Mm. And so I got there and he was like, they just moved into a new house over the past year. And so he was showing me around and he was so excited. And he at one point just stops and looks at me and goes, but are you the real Miss Casey? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yep, here I am in the flesh. It's me. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it great how kids really think that their dance teachers are celebrities? Um, the they write book reports about us and they like put us up on this wonderful pedestal. And it really, it really makes you realize how much of an impact we have on these young people. Yes, no kidding. Um, no kidding. All right. Well, thank you again, Shiloh. It's been such a wonderful treat to talk to you. And um, I feel like we could go on and on and on. So maybe we'll have to just have you back. <laughs> I would love that. It was so nice to speak with all of you. All right. Well, thank you so much. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. That's the easiest way you can help support our podcast. And if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for the DSO Connect Retreat in Cape Coral, Florida in July. We can't wait to see you all there. We have just a few spots remaining and we'll be here next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.